Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. From the recent Boise Reformation Conference, here's Dr. Cornelis Venema speaking on the return of Christ. This is a word from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica regarding Christ's coming in their discouragements, in their confusion, in their uncertainty as to when the event would take place. That was what you might call a word in season. You know, of course, that preachers are not always in season. They preach, as we put it sometimes, to the choir. Not so the Apostle Paul. He knows his congregation. He knows what they need to hear. And so he speaks to them very powerfully of what will transpire when the Lord Jesus comes. And there are two things that I would have us notice broadly. Now, that sounds promising, two things. We can cover that in a short time. Well, there are two broad categories of things. The first of which is what he says about the nature of the event itself. What it will be, what it will be like when Christ comes, at what in the New Testament is sometimes called his parousia, which is a word, a technical term for the coming of a great king. And he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, so there's no parousia coming of the king like the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's called in the New Testament, commonly called, his appearing, his manifestation. You've heard of something called the epiphany. And as good Reformed folk, you may not want to celebrate the season of Epiphany, but uh, it's a word that refers to his appearing. And it's a word used, it's the word the author of Hebrews used in the passage I started with in Hebrews chapter 9. He appeared the first time, he will appear a second time. Well, in this particular passage, Paul gives a little different description, a powerful but common description of the nature of the event that will be the parousia, the appearing, the second advent of the great King, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want us to notice in the second place what he says, not about the event itself, what it will be like, that is to be contemplated and anticipated, but what he says respecting the comfort and encouragement that this grants to God's people then, but also in this year of our Lord, 2019, also here in Boise. Someone said to me, it's not Boise with a Z, you're not a native. It's Boise. Boise. So I'm not a native. And I can't say Boise. I can say Boise. Uh, what it also says to us by way of encouragement, even at our conference, as we come together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Well, first of all, the nature of the event contemplated. It's very striking that the Apostle Paul uses here a particular word. 
It's the word revelation. Did you notice in verse 6 when he says, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Those who are presently Thessalonians afflicting you, the day will come if they do not repent before it's coming that they will be afflicted. The tables will be turned. And to grant rest to you who are afflicted as well to us. And now listen carefully to how he describes it. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. Literally, technically, he says, at the apocalypsis, the apocalypse, the revelation. And it's a striking picture. You know from the account of our Lord's ascension in the book of Acts that he was taken up in the clouds from whence he shall come again. And you can think of the clouds as, in a sense, a concealing, veiling as he is translated to his place at the Father's right hand. As you have seen him go, so you shall see him come. In a manner of speaking, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to think it will be as though the clouds of the heavens will be open. Literally, the word revelation has the idea of an unveiling. Uh, strictly, literally, a removal of the curtain. In other words, as the curtain opens, the last act in the grand history of the triune God's redemptive works will transpire, will take place, and at the core and at the center of it will be a full display of the splendor and the glory of the risen, ascended, powerful Lord of all creation, heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ himself will be unveiled. You find, for example, in Luke 17, verse 30, a similar sort of description. It is on the day when the Son of Man, as our Lord puts it, will be revealed. Or, rather strikingly, by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1, 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, just as a little bit of an aside, when the curtain is drawn, and when Christ is seen in the fullness of His person as the returning King, the Lord and One who has authority in heaven as well as upon earth, the risen one who has the keys of death and of Hades as he's represented in the opening chapter of the book of Revelation. He will be manifested in such a way that no one will be able to deny his singular glory, power, and majesty. And in some ways, if you think about that, before we even come to the comfort, encouragement that that will bring and mean for God's people, 
when he is revealed. What would be, in some respects, the appropriate desire, earnest longing of any true believer, member of Christ? Is that your Redeemer? That your Lord and Savior, that King Jesus, would be openly displayed in the full majesty of his power, person, and redemptive work, so that no one, not one, believer and unbeliever alike, you get a bit of that in the vision and revelation as well, even the eyes of those who pierced him will have to look upon His majesty and glory. It may cause them to flee before Him in fear, but nonetheless, He will receive and be acknowledged. The passage was referenced by Dr. Jones this morning. I think it was from Philippians 2, well known. Given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every tongue might confess, whether in heaven or on earth, that He is Lord. That's the nature of the event contemplated. Now notice it's also an event that is described in terms of three modifying prepositional phrases that lend, you might say, further color and texture to what this revelation will be like. Remember when you were in school and you learned about prepositions? Three prepositional phrases, very important modifiers. His revelation will be from whence? From heaven. It's a little bit like Paul's language in Philippians 3.20. Where is your and my citizenship as members of Christ? We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We have in him our advocate intercessor, our elder brother, our forerunner, to use the language of the author of Hebrews, who has gone before us. And it is with him that we hold citizenship in heaven, not upon the earth. And we await, says Paul in Philippians 3, his coming from the homeland, our eternal home, our place of destined appointment. He comes from heaven to the earth when he is revealed. And you say, well, Dr. Venema, that's very interesting, but what significance does that have? Well, it certainly, among other things, reminds us of something that in the area of, if I may use a theologian's word, eschatology, we need never, must never forget. We don't have as our ultimate hope as Christians that anything will come from below that will be ultimate in terms of Christ's coming kingdom. I don't know if I'm going to offend any post-millennialists. Do we have any here? Can I have a show of hands? Don't want to admit it? You think it's a good work? Don't want to recognize it? I only kid you, your fine brothers and sisters with whom I just have a small point of pushback. Let's put it that way. The kingdom of God will not come in its fullness, in its perfection, until the Lord is revealed. The cause of Christ in the world and the fullness of His coming kingdom will not be manifested 
from the ground up. By dint of your and my energetic working for its coming. Though that's to be highly commended. You seek first his kingdom and its righteousness. You want his kingdom to come in its fullness. You desire that righteousness and the knowledge of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You would see disobedience and opposition to Christ's cause come to an ultimate conclusion and terminus. You pray for it. Your kingdom come. Your name be hallowed. Your will be done on earth, O Lord, even as it is done in heaven. 